Welcome to the Rookie Mortgage Broker Podcast with your host, Scott Peckford. Hey, Broker Nation. Welcome to Allenby Rookie Mortgage Broker Podcast. Every Friday, I talk to a rookie who's making waves in the mortgage industry, find out how they're succeeding in today's competitive market. Today, I switched up things a little bit and I had Jesse Hamill. Jesse is one of our underwriting coaches at Bricks Mortgage. And I asked him to come on and share some of the mistakes or the things that he sees rookies make when it comes to underwriting to help them underwrite. At our company, one of the unique things that we do is we have underwriting coaches available, and Jesse being one of them, in a Zoom room 40 hours a week where you can bring your files and ask questions. And on an average week, they will get about 250 visits for underwriting questions. And it could be anything from, I'll be make sense of this at a letter of employment, to let's look at this application or credit. One of the things I believe when it comes to underwriting is, is that it's very difficult to learn it from reading a book. And so you need to learn it, you know, file by file. And so having an underwriting coach available to you that you can literally go in and ask questions to is extremely helpful. Plus, the other thing I found that a lot of brokerages will set things up as a mentorship model. So they'll give you an experienced broker who can help you with underwriting. The problem is they're an experienced broker working on their own files. And so you may have to wait a day or two or three days. And so the way that we've structured it with Jesse and the rest of the team is that Jesse is available to help coach And I thought it'd be cool to have him share some of his knowledge of what he does. So he's going to share the top six mistakes that rookies make when it comes to underwriting. Before we start, let me give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a mortgage application document collection submission platform designed specifically for Canadian mortgage brokers. Extremely easy to use. We like it because frankly, it's you know, point and click. One of the cool things is as the client's filling out the applications, automatically figuring out what documents they need. This is very helpful. When the file comes in, you can go in and search lender spotlight and look for the guidelines. And even when you select the lender, it says, hey, don't forget about these, you know, and prompts you to remind you, you know, the guidelines, you don't want to send in a file and waste time on it. It's one of the things Jesse talks about. And then finally, it's got smart submission notes, which means that it pulls the key data from the application into the submission notes. And something you probably don't know is that when you submit a file to a lender, what they see and what you see is drastically different. And this makes it easy for them. And if you make it easy for the lender, they're going to give you more yeses. And that's really the point. So check out this conversation I have with Jesse. I think you're going to find it valuable. Hey, Jesse, welcome to the show. Hey, good to see you. Hey, man. So I'm excited to chat with you about the mistakes that rookies make when underwriting files. And I know you have underwritten a ton of files before you joined the company and even now with working with rookies, helping them. So what would be the first thing that you see? And these aren't necessarily in order of you know importance, but just pay attention. If you're new, write these down and try to avoid these and you're going to get a lot more files approved. So what's the first one that you'd say you see happen? I think identifying the application and really making sure the information dialed in. You know, we see a fair bit of time when maybe we're entering the details for a property and we don't have the accurate property taxes, condo fees, even when it comes to square footage and things like that on the property, that can make a difference of whether you need a full appraisal or an automated valuation. So you're really dialing in those details and having the exact right figures in there, making sure everything is kind of identified for. Again, with the system we use, you know, the validate and submit on that Finmo application really helps with that. But yeah, it makes it difficult sometimes because on those property taxes or condo fees or even using rental as an income, if it's not in properly, it can really kick those debt servicing ratios out. So basically, the first thing is an incomplete application. So things like three-year history of employment, three-year history of address, property taxes, condo fees, they can be looking at the pocket. Oh, this looks great. You put in that one thing all of a sudden. And especially if you've gone so far as to tell the client, oh, Mr. Customer, this looks like it's going to be no problem. I can get you X amount of money. And now you go back and they sit down and review it with you. And you're like, wait a second, you forgot this, this, and this. Now you look stupid. You go back to the client and they go, oh, sorry, I was mistaken. And you got to eat crow. I don't know why people eat crow, but I don't know either. it's kind of a weird <laughs> thing. I'm like, I wouldn't eat a crow. Like now you have to eat chicken or whatever. So 
you'd say that would be one thing. And what's your advice for somebody new for them to do a better job of the application? What would you suggest? I think the biggest problem when you start is being afraid to ask all those questions and really take people's time up, right? You're trying to get it done as quick as you can, being as efficient as you can and get the answer to the client as quick as you can. I think really, if you spend the time early on, get those details in, make sure they're accurate, you're going to save yourself not only time later on, but also like say embarrassment, frustration from the client. It's an important thing. If you have a file that's an insured file, so less than 20% down and that debt servicing, we know every file right now is being maxed out in debt servicing. And that one little number on property taxes kicks yourself above 39 or 44. Well, now that's a dead deal. Now you're mm -hmm. not going to get that thing funded. So it's just so key to have that dialed in. That way your number accuracy matters when it comes 100%. to application. Yeah. The way I've always described when it comes to GDS, TDS, especially when it comes to insured deals is like, if it's 39 max and it's at 39.5, I tell people it's like missing the bus by 30 seconds or five minutes. You ain't getting on the bus. Like it doesn't make any difference. It is the equivalent of missing the bus. So it used to be back in my day when I, you know, and yours too, when we started many years ago, there was more wiggle room. There ain't wiggle room anymore. They're like a hard stop. Sorry, you don't get on the bus, you know? All right. So it sounds like the first thing you say is an incomplete application can create all kinds of headaches. What's kind of the next thing that you see that rookies do that make it much harder on themselves to underwrite? I think not collecting the documents up front and getting all documents up front. I think they have a real fear that they're going to scare the client away because they're asking for so much information. We're in that day and age now. It's not just a handshake at the bank. You get 500 grand. You got to really dial in, you know, when you're sending these to the land and make sure you have the accurate information, whether they're a salaried employee, whether they're a non-guaranteed hour employee, whether they're self-employed, you know, making sure that they have the right documents they need, that they can actually build that business case to send that file in, as well as have accurate information on the application not having you know one piece of documentation can throw it sideways you know i've had many people come in and say oh yeah i make this much money i'm a salaried employee and then you get the job letter or they do a job call near to closing and actually they're non-guaranteed hours we should have been using a two-year average right now you redo the file maybe hopefully you can still get it done but you made an assumption clients don't even understand most of them don't know the difference between you know they don't understand how lenders look at it anyway no, so, you'll ask, you know, what do you make? And they'll say 90 grand. Well, 30 of that could be a salary and 60 of that could be, you know, a bonus. But if you didn't get bonus the year before, you're not using that two-year average. So it might not fit. So again, if you have those documentation up front when it comes to T4s, NOAs, T1 generals, letters of employment. And letter of employment. Letter of employment. We, I, we saw one recently where the letter of employment was actually dated in the future. You know, like, oh, forgot to mention, yeah, I haven't started that job yet. Like what? Like, so I think that what the challenge for new people is they feel like they're being intrusive, but ultimately you can't do your job. Like you wouldn't go to a doctor and say, hey, this is the way I've described it. You go to the doctor and say, look, uh, doc, what's wrong with me? He's like, well, I got to do some tests. No, no, you shouldn't need to do tests. My last doctor knew me. Why can't you just tell me what's wrong? Well, I'm not being a professional if I actually don't run the tests. It would be irresponsible of me to even attempt to diagnose you without doing the proper diagnosis up front. Same thing with underwriting right now. It is irresponsible for you to tell clients they're good that they can go out and write offers and put down deposits without you looking at their documents because you are putting them at risk and yourself and you really need to make sure that you have that dialed. That is not a cool way to run your business. Well, most recently, we actually had one that came up that we ended up getting the pay stubs after the fact. And the pay stubs were exactly the same for the husband as they were for the wife. And when I mean exactly the same, they were exactly the same. They were for different companies. Like they were laid right. out the same way and everything. And then we get the LOE later on. And it's, you know, when it comes to that kind of stuff, you're just like, if you don't have all that up front and you don't have the time to go through it, you can actually get yourself involved in what could be a fraud situation.
So if right. you have actually, I heard about that. Yeah, that was crazy. So as a rookie listening to this, every experienced mortgage broker goes through this struggle. They go through, I don't want to be a bother. I want to make it easy. What happens is you make it so difficult on the back end. You're not going to get referrals. You're not going to get repeat clients. You're going to piss them off. And you're eventually you're going to come to one of two things. You're either going to leave the industry because you're like, this is too hard. Or you're going to switch and say, if I don't have your docs, I'm not even going to tell you. The top brokers say, like Bernadette said, if you don't have your documents, I'm not even talking to you. I'm not even booking a call with you unless I have all your documents. Jules, my old business partner, she's like, I won't submit your file, nothing. Like, we'll move heaven and earth if I've got your stuff. But if I don't, I'm not even going to bother because I can't. And I so from experience, I was that guy. You know, yeah, I, I was I, too. So I, I, I'm not going to say I wasn't. I went through it and eventually you're like, nope. There's way more stress on the back end. I think hard on the front end, easy on the back end equals lots of referrals. Easy on the front end, hard on the back end equals no referrals, probably lose your hair, probably get sued, not worth the hassle like at all. And it's a um, very simple thing when you're talking to your clients. If you just explain to them, you're collecting all this documentation to make sure in eventuality with the lender, you have the answer they need and can provide what they need right away. How would you feel as a person, Scott, if I called you for seven days in a row asking you for something? You're going to get annoyed. Oh, I'm annoyed. You're going to seriously annoyed. do it. Like, leave me alone. So this is yeah. how. I'm and it makes me feel like you don't know what you're doing because I got insurance recently from a guy that has been in the industry a long time. Nice guy. And he kept coming back for something. I was like, have you never done this before? Like, it was like, he's still a rookie. And I was like, why didn't you just tell me all up front? Be straight with me. I can handle it. You know, but anyways, okay. So first thing is an incomplete application. Second is not collecting documents. What's the third thing that you see rookies do that make it hard on themselves? Not pulling credit. Again, you're kind of looking at application and people are going to want an answer now and they're going to yep. be pushing and pushing and pushing you. The only way you're going to know what their background situation is, is to pull that credit, whether that's their credit score, whether that's their character and repayment, you know, whether that's if they've actually had a default in the past, if they had a bankruptcy, you know, if there's any derogatory on there, like it's great that someone says I've got no you know, debt, I have no credit cards, I have no, you still need to know because if they don't have credit cards, then they'd have no history. So we're probably not yeah. going to get a mortgage anyway. So pulling that credit, knowing what the liabilities are, it allows you to map out a solution for the client as well. If you need to pay some debts down, they might not be in a position to go ahead right now to buy a property based on their situation. It allows you to maybe be a bit of a credit counselor, guide them to what they need to pay off, give them some solutions that they need to actually purchase that next house. If you don't pull that credit, the applications are relevant. Like that is- It's a waste of time. It's literally not complete. I always love how, uh, remember Mortgage Jake- you know, great dude. The way he described credit to people is like, you have good credit, right? Most people say, yeah, I have good credit. So if you had 800 bucks in your wallet and you lost three bucks, do you care? No, but that's what happens if you pull your credit. If you have a good credit score, it's not going to make any difference. Yeah. So it's framing it to them in a way and say, look, I can't give you any kind of, you know, sensible plan unless I see it. So you'll be able to create a solution sometimes just based on a credit score. If they've got a yeah. 535 credit score, you know, you're going B and you need minimum 20% down. That makes your job. How easy is that just by pulling credit? And then you have the conversation and if they don't want to do it, now you'd save yourself all kinds of time because otherwise it's like, I don't want to do that. Okay, great. Here's your plan. Or you can spend all this time thinking you've got a file, thinking you've got something and then only to have the thing unravel on you. So, okay, first is incomplete application, not collecting documents, not pulling credit. What will be the fourth thing that you see people do that, again, makes it difficult for underwriting? Down payment and not really mapping out where those down payments are coming from or not understanding where they're coming from. Again, if it's a gift, we need a gift letter. We've had one recently where the gift was allegedly going to come from a friend. You know, right. that's a no-no. And that's not something that any lender is going to say, okay, no problem. You might be going down the path where you've got this thing approved and the last condition is to provide a gift letter for down payments. Well, again, it's an efficiency thing we're talking about here, Scott. Everything's about efficiency and making life easy. 
if you try to supply that gift letter for a non-family member, that deal's done. And again, you're going to look like you don't know what you're doing. You're yeah. going to put the client in distress because if they have removed conditions, they can't proceed with that purchase, which means they could be sued. They could lose deposit. If you got the referral from a realtor, they're going to be like, you're incompetent. What are you doing? Why would you not confirm this before you told everything was good? So like, this is super important. Asking that question, where is your down payment coming from? Is it coming from your own resources? Is it coming from a gift? You know, in some cases you can borrow, you know, with a couple lenders, but find out where it is and then get that 90 day history of where those funds are at. Once you have that, your life is gold. Right. And where is the money now? Oh, it's over here. I'm going to move it. Like, well, like, you know, it's coming from the country. You yeah. got to know where it's coming from. Like, that's key. So incomplete application, not collecting docs, not pulling credit, down payment, not properly mapped. What will be number five? Not using the right qualifying rates. Again, with some of these application systems, you know, they are a computer system and they're usually fantastic. Making sure- like human error can screw them up though. Right? right, like making sure you have the right, if your rate's 3.8% for a variable, make sure your qualification is 5.8. You know, make sure that's dialed in because that difference between qualifying at 5.75 even and 5.8 or 6.8 will make a huge difference in whether that application fits. And again, decides which lender you go to. Because if you can't go to a monoline lender, if it's over 39.44, however, we know with you know a certain bank and a conventional deal, you don't have to use GDS and can go straight to 44 TDS. So again, it helps you decide where it's going to go for the client. If you don't have that dialed in and you don't have the exact qualification rate, you know that's going to cause you stress later on. The times have changed in the last two months where qualifying was 5.25. Now everything is qualifying plus 2%, right? So whatever the rate is, plus 2%. Your fixed is obviously going to be higher than what your variable is right now, but just make sure that number is correct. And even if you're creating solutions for the clients, you might get a little bit confused because you're trying to show them what fixed looks like and you're trying to show them what variable looks like. If you forget to change that qualifying rate, you might give them the wrong information. Yeah, exactly. It's all these little things, right? You don't realize. Okay, so incomplete application, no documents up front. Reason I'm repeating this, by the way, guys, is to beat it into your heads. So you listen as well. Oh, don't do this. Down payment on property map, not using the correct qualifying. What would be the last kind of big, I mean, there's more, but we wanted to keep this like, to a shorter conversation, but what would be number six that you'd see that the rookies make mistakes on? Do your research on the guidelines of the lenders. Make sure that file fits, you know, make sure that they actually do that file. You know, MCAP and RMG are sister companies. MCAP doesn't do new to Canada, RMG does. MCAP has a line of credit product, RMG does. You know, knowing what the difference between TD and Scotia and, you know, the banks you're using, really dial in. If you're signed up with lenders and you have access to the portals, it's really simple. Go on there and find it. It's really easy to find that information. There's fantastic resources online. You know, I love mortgage brokering. There's a lot of brokers that have gone through a lot of these situations where you might be able to go on there and ask a question and get the information you need. But make sure you dial in those guidelines because it's pointless just throwing something at a wall and hoping it sticks. It's yeah. a waste of time too. Huge waste of time for everybody, for you, the client, real estate partners. It's just bad idea all around. Well, on your underwriter, um, if you send something into a lender and it doesn't fit their guidelines, what do you think that underwriter is going to think the next time you send a file in? Oh, they're going to be looking for a way to decline it. Like, this guy doesn't know. Yeah, next, uh, you're paying the ass. Yeah, I totally agree. And tools like Lender Spotlight are also useful in terms of like, yeah, you, can, you can do a lot of search on there. Okay, so what would be your last kind of piece of advice for somebody who's new that's trying to get better at underwriting and, you know, getting more approvals? I think just take your time, like really dial in, you know, what you're trying to achieve for that one application. Get the information. Don't be afraid to ask your clients for the documentation. It's better to have it now than later on. You know, by being efficient and having all this and your application ready to go, you're going to become stronger with your relationships with your lender partners, which means when I send a deal in and I've been sending garbage deals in, 
for like three months and Scott sends a deal in and he sends perfect deals in that have all the information and everything's dialed in, they're going to deal with Scott's application first. And if we both have a rush file, they're going to take care of me. I'm going to get the exceptions. I'm going to get the, you know, you're not helping yourself by sending in messy files. At yeah. All. Don't half-ass the documentation. Don't half-ass yeah. your application. You know, treat it like you would want your mortgage broker to treat your application. That's what I would say. And, you know, you're going to create better relationships. And honestly, in this industry, when it comes to underwriting and lenders, that relationship, it's 75% relationship and 25% on the knowledge side. And if yeah. you can dial that in, you're going to get way more than what you think. Yeah. And uh, people don't realize that the same file can go to the same lender with nothing changed except the person that submitted. And one of them is going to get a yes. And the other, no, I see this happen all the time. And it seems like it's not fair but it comes down to relationship that they have that the brokers built with the lender and the lender will do more for that broker because that broker understands how the game works, that they work for the lender that you're trying to do, you know, you make their job easy. And then someone else who doesn't, they're going to be like, you can make it hard. Cause here's the thing. If underwriting was binary, if it was simply one plus one equals two, they would use software. There would be no people involved in this. It would be like, Oh, you know, but it's not, there is always a interpretation of the rules. And because of that, then the relationship's going to matter. If it ever became, it's strictly done by software, you know, if we just sent it into some AI that looked at it, but that's not the case. And so because of that, it allows you to have that relationship to be a big chunk of it. So don't neglect your relationships. And if you get this in line, like if you start this from the start of your career, you set yourself a guideline or a policy or a procedure that you use, I guarantee in six to eight months, it's going to be like second nature. And it's just yeah. going to be, and your efficiency will be so good, you're going to save yourself time, which allows you to chase more business and make more money. And you'll also get more referrals because ultimately at the end of the day, like I say, hard on the front end, easy on the back end. If you make it a little bit more challenging on the front end, you may get some people that aren't working with you that weren't working with you anyway. But the ones you work with, if you can knock them out of the park, they're going to tell their friends. They're going to tell the realtor. They're going to tell everybody. Or you can make it. I always say it's like throwing yourself down the stairs. If you're working with you as a mortgage agent is like, you know, throwing yourself down the stairs and picking up, doing it again. Like, I don't want to do that. I'm not going through that pain. I'm not going to find someone else to work with. So be a professional, ask for the information that you need and be firm on it and know that that's the best way to serve them. And know that if it was reversed, it was you as the borrower. I don't want somebody to do that to me. I don't want them to one document me to death. Like, just tell me what you need. I'm okay. I can live with it and just get me my money basically. So show me the money. Jesse, awesome chat with you, man. It's been awesome seeing you absolutely like help our agents crush mortgages. And yeah, it's awesome. So thanks for coming to share a bit of your knowledge today. And uh, hopefully you guys listening, write those things down and you'll be much better at underwriting. Awesome. Hey, thanks again for listening to this episode with Jesse. If you're a rookie and you're like, man, this was helpful. First thing, I would encourage you to write down those six things that he talked about. Use that as a guideline for yourself to remind yourself to do better at underwriting. Second thing is if you want to find out how we can help you build a mortgage business faster, a full-based business and close more files, go to rookie2rockstar.ca, check out a webinar I have there and I'll show you exactly what we do. You know, one of the things that's been super cool is we started this Rookie to Rockstar a year ago, August 1st, 2021. In that time, we funded 178 million in mortgages and the vast majority of that volume came from rookies or people who were rookies who turned pro. And truthfully, if we had the underwriting team at the beginning that we do now, I think that would have been 200 million. I wish, you know, kind of feel bad saying that, that there's probably 20 million files that we've missed, but the underwriting support team we have right now is amazing. And Jesse is one of those people. So go check out Rookie to Rockstar. Thanks again for listening to this episode. And I hope that you find this useful. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production. 